0: Welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast, Sandra Crawford Williamson. How are you doing?
1: I'm great, John. So excited to be here today.
0: Now, you and I, uh, we you know we've been in many roles from you know starting uh, as an employee, working all the way up, and having that first management job, and then moving up to uh, you know the C-suite, and you know along that way. Uh, you know, there, when you become the boss, uh, there's a lot of things I'll guarantee our employees, especially in the world today, uh, some of the new employees coming into the workforce or even people that have been there 23 years, you know, that conversation, you know, things they wish their boss would know. And I can tell you some of the biggest feedback that I have also from, you know, when I'm working in organizations and cause I do a lot of work with companies and their teams, uh, a lot of people really are uncomfortable maybe having some conversations, what I call leading up, with that next level above them to share some of the things that would be really helpful, either blind spots that they people have or things that are going on in the company, the culture, how things are done, decisions are made, that would make it better. But we don't always uh, are not able to do that. And so today we have Robert McFarland. Robert, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks so much, John. It's good to be here with you.
0: Well, it's good to be here with you too, and and you wrote a book, and I love the title. It says, "Dear Boss, What Your Employees Wish You Knew," and you're in the middle of writing a second one, or actually, it's it's going to be coming out soon. It's "Dear Employees," um, right? So you're looking at it now from the other perspective too. But uh, but you know, before we jump into this, because this is a really important topic um, for anybody out there listening who's in a leadership position um to understand some of these things but uh a little bit uh Robert I'd love for you to start and just tell us a little bit about kind of your background and what led you to uh you know kind of you know this focus on what you're doing right now.
2: Yeah, I I've uh, like you had risen through the ranks and just done different types of uh work within uh, different organizations and such and just recognized that there was a real need for the fact that uh for people to really understand, you know, what is it that is preventing people from having that kind of connection in terms of how they can be the best boss they can be. Also, another thing that you probably saw in the book, I'm sure, is the fact that uh, that there's a spirituality tied throughout the whole book and just really the biblical references and such that I, I've recognized that there's a real disconnect between Sunday and Monday and that the things that people l- do and learn in church really don't always transfer to the the business world. So I thought there was a two pronged thing that really need to be addressed with this book.
1: Well, in fact, a lot of people, uh, you know, really struggle with the whole idea of making money as a Christian. And then, you know, going to church on Sundays, they almost live in two worlds, you know, um, how do you in this book, how do you encourage people to sort of, you know, blur that divide?
2: well i don't think there really is a divide i think that really there is no division between the, secu- the sacred and the secular and that that god has given us the best plan that we can have for really being the best business people that we can be and that's and he really advises that through the uh through the great commandment i, I mean through the, the whole idea of having um do unto others as you would want them to do unto you and, and so that is so basic it's so simple but it's so hard to implement and so for people to be able to really think through that in terms of their own employees, that kind of is a real touchstone that we can go to in terms of having the kind of impact, the kind of transformational impact that we want to have on the people who work for us and the businesses that we run.
0: You know, there's, the, you know, Robert, there's a lot of aspects of that. I, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, from that perspective, right, really honoring people who they are as a, as a person versus, you know, a tool to get work done or to make profit, Right. Uh, Exactly. Having healthy communication, um, understanding, you know, purple uh, people's personal motivations. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, one of our most important job as a leader is to cast vision. And a lot of people think that that's just, you know, from the corporate vision. So people are tied into that. I think it's also important for us to really understand what is that, you know, you know, that somebody who's working for us. What's their pers- uh, personal vision and mission and purpose, and how does that tie in Because when people can link that? So there's, there's so many different aspects of what you just talked about. Where do, where, do, where do you think is the best place to start for somebody out there who's a Christian, who's leading an organization, who wants to actually you know, uh, change maybe you know, some of the dynamics of the culture?
2: Well, I think the best place really to start for anybody, uh, especially as a leader, is to listen. I think that is one of the skills that is really lost in today's culture is listening. People always feel like they have to be talking and they're not stopping to listen. God gave us two ears and one mouth. We ought to use them in proportion.
1: (laughs) I like that. I'm going to tell my children that. (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's
1: a good one. You know, you, um, you have a quote that I love, um, that you've recently written about, but it's talking about three things to avoid if you want to be truly happy. And I, and I love, I love your quote from Abraham Lincoln. I'm a big Abraham Lincoln nerd, but people are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. That's really true in the office too, isn't it?
2: Oh gosh. It really is, is that the people tend to, uh, they tend to focus on what they have known up to this point and they get stuck in certain patterns and they don't realize that necessarily they are thinking some negative thinking and, and allowing that to run how they're, how they're thinking. It's it's really important for us to really be able to uh, transform our thinking and think about what we're thinking about. I mean, it's really important because otherwise we can get trapped into some some patterns that really are not productive or helpful.
0: You know, Robert, if you're, if you're, the kind of, you know, those patterns, uh, and we all have them, right? They're informed by, kind of, our identity, our past experiences, maybe how we react under stress or in certain situations, or even how we maybe deal with people of different personalities. You know, there's, you know, there's some people that that's just really easy for us to get along with, and other people just always te- seem to uh, create friction. Uh, but also taking responsibility, realizing maybe how I respond and that friction that's created really is I have to take responsibility for that. And I think that's something that's foundational of really creating an extraordinary culture is building trust. Um, Absolutely. Yep. And so I know you've written about this, and this is something Sandra and I work on with all of our clients. Uh, Let's have a a conversation a little bit about how we actually start – Building some trust, which leads to some communication, and some of those conversations that actually need to happen that don't, that lead to conflict and and lack of engagement and things like that. So, what what is your thoughts on the best place to start? Build, you know, building on maybe the trust that exists, or even if we're starting from scratch.
2: Yeah, I think that uh, there's things that we can do to really build that trust foundation with our people, and one of the first things is really trusting. So you become trusted by trusting. And that is foundational. And if people don't think that you trust them, they're certainly not going to trust you. It's a two-way street. Uh, along with that, it's really important to make sure that you're listening. As I mentioned before, listening is huge. When people feel like you're actually listening to them, it, it it's a powerful thing. They, they It gives them emotional oxygen or, or psychological air or whatever you want to call it, that that they start really realizing, okay, this person gets me. They're willing to take the time to hear what I have to say. And, and that's powerful in terms of building a relationship, especially a relationship of trust.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's really one of the main issues in the workplace, right? If you're trying to, you know, if you're a boss and you're trying to lead this big team of people, um, you know, a lot of people, that's not their natural set of gifts right so there's all these people managers out there that are employing the fake it till you make it method of management and so they're insecure so they don't let people get too close so when you don't let people to get too close then there's not going to be this you know trust connection um so i believe that's why we have a lot of, of issues in the in the marketplace because if people aren't connecting on that human level of hey you know I know Robert's story, I know his wife, Tamara, you know, I know he's got six kids, they live in the country, like these are some stuff he's facing, the little one's got the flu. And, you know, unless you can connect with someone on that level, you're really just seeing them as a as a number, as sort of a robot, and you're not going to have that sort of trust and relationship. Do you think that's where a lot of issues, you know, in the workplace come from?
2: Yeah, I think that the not knowing each other, that having that kind of a uh... Situation where people really aren't knowing each other. They they kind of think they know about each other, but there's really not that that connection point. Um, sharing the information uh, within each other within each uh, organization is important, but but also just actually being able to see each other eye to eye. I know that's difficult in today's uh, you know um, world where people are are uh, are separated by by not just uh, uh, towns or states, but sometimes countries. And so we have people from all over the world are communicating. It is, we cannot underestimate the value of face-to-face communication because oftentimes if we're not face-to-face, we're not eye-to-eye.
1: Yeah. We had an article recently that talked about, um, a face-to-face meeting can replace 35 emails.
2: Oh, easily.
1: I mean, think about that for a second. Right. Um, And in today's electronic world, people want to like fire off an email or send a text uh, and they don't want to just bite the bullet and go walk, you know, the 20 feet into someone's office. It's one of my personal pet peeves. uh, And that seems to be what you're talking about. Right.
2: Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Because I think what we have is we've we People say, well, I'm so busy, I don't have time to go talk to them. But they have time to send those 35 emails. So if you had a short conversation with somebody, it's amazing how much clutter you can cut through. And Because uh, I know there are certain people that I work with um, remotely, and and there are certain times I'm like, look, I just – cannot send you this email i need to talk to you because i know this is going to take so much longer if we just don't do this uh in terms of a conversation so that is is powerful also just how much time how many misunderstandings we have if we're just sending email and doing everything via text it's so, so much stuff gets lost when we're not able to see each other's facial expressions we're not able to hear the emotion behind everything and And therefore, we're just uh, sending words back and forth and because we're losing about 93% of the communication when it's just words.
1: Yeah, that's right. I tell people that all the time when we're coaching and doing consulting projects. You know, one of my undergrads is in communication, and you just said it. Only 7% of the message that we get from another human is the actual word content. 93% is everything else, their tone or their voice, their inflections, the the sheer volume, the facial expressions, Their the hand motion, yeah. body language, all of that stuff. I mean, John, think about, uh, you know, that's why we love getting people on screen when we interview them, right?
0: right? Right. Well, and think about this, right? Because if 7% is words and we're used to communicating face-to-face, that's kind of how we're wired. Uh, you know, we just need to recognize that it's actually our natural, uh, you know, proclivity to read emotion and body language into what somebody wrote, the words they use, the structure of the sentence. And I could just think about any time that that has actually created conflict or miscommunication and all the extra time and rework and sometimes lack of trust because you're going back and forth because there's a misunderstanding. And so it's actually in your absolutely, I think, in your benefit to – like my guideline robert is if if my response unless it's like data that you needed needs to be more than a a short paragraph or two i'm going to probably pick up the phone instead of writing uh an email that's two pages cuz when people send me an email that's long i just groan and honestly uh i don't have i feel like i don't have time to even read it
2: yeah, I, I get totally get that. Uh, one thing also, just to blend back into a spiritual note here, uh, one thing I think is really interesting from the scripture is when it says that, that when God wants us to have a relationship with him, the way he refers to it is to seek my face. And you can't really seek somebody's face. You know, if, you're, if you're seeking somebody's face, that means you've got to be looking at them straight on in that kind of a relationship, that kind of a conversational perspective that you're seeing the other person's face and so for God saying that, hey, I want you to seek my face, that really means look at me, be able to see what I'm all about. And so in having that kind of conversation that kind of live in life together.
0: Well, you know, that's another good point, too. If, if you just, you know, as you read through Scripture and look at, you know, when God uh, had conversations uh, with others, when, when Jesus was here and, and had conversations with others, was totally present. And what I've seen, you know, at work, right? And I think this reduces trust. We're trying to multitask. Um, I know that for myself, it's kind of hard for me to, like, when somebody comes in and interrupts me because I'm working on a project, um, I have to make a choice to actually turn toward them, look them in the eye, uh, turn away from my computer screen, actually be very present so that I can actually listen, hear what they have to say, ask good questions to follow up, and if i'm trying to do you know a couple things at one time uh it's actually not a good quality conversation so when some when you do uh when somebody comes in you know it's not just listening at the surface level to try to come up with the answer so that they can move on and and you can get back to your work uh we actually have to be very intentional with a choice that we make to listen don't you think
2: absolutely and and, and it goes beyond even just listening as i was saying before it's 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 about understanding like like what you were saying mm-hmm. john when you're turning your chair around when you are giving somebody eye to eye you're when you are giving them your presence i mean you're fully present in the moment and you were seeking to understand them oh that is so powerful uh, people really just relish that because they realize oh wow they really are taking the time to hear what i had to say to understand what i had to say so that nothing gets lost in the process
0: yeah. How many times have we gone in and asked a question to somebody and they and they answer the question that we didn't ask? You know what I mean? Uh, which means, you know, they're not really listening. Uh, so, you know, as a coach, listening skills are huge. So I always tell people, if you're just, when people are sharing something with you and you're just trying to form either the next question or a statement to what you think has helped them, instead of do that, uh, a rule we have on our team, Robert, is to when somebody asks a question, you have to ask two clarifying questions before we answer to make sure that you're actually answering or having a conversation that's going to be helpful to them versus what I thought was going to be helpful. Does that make sense?
2: Absolutely. I love that. I think that is so helpful because, therefore, you are showing them that you, are honor, that you are honoring them, you are appreciating them by asking those clarifying questions. It creates a great culture of dialogue and understanding when you take those time to do stuff like that. That may seem like a really simple thing to some somebody listening right now, but the fact is that's so powerful and it, it's, it, is, uh, it really affirms the human dignity of somebody else when you're doing that.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, just make an eye contact. You know, you and I both have, younger children. And I mean, think about if you're making dinner, you're at the computer and you're just kind of talking to your kids, but you're not really stopping and looking at them, Um, You know, I can literally tell the difference in my in my kiddos. I mean, they don't feel valued. They don't feel heard. Um, You know, just getting down on your knees and looking a little person in the eye and making that connection that, hey, I I truly see you. I mean, that is such an, an impact. It has such huge impact as a child. To a child. But it's the same way for grownups, right? We just want to be heard. We just want to feel valued. Um, and so, you know, when I'm coaching people, I will often say, hey, when you go to new meetings, are you truly putting your phone like away, like leave it in your office, even if you can, and truly be in the moment and make eye contact with people when they're speaking to you. And, you know, 99% of people don't even do that most basic thing.
2: You know, you're so right. And, and that, is, that is one of those things that I have had to work on is that um, I, I've got uh, kids, as you said, who are younger. And when I'm doing something on my phone and, and, and I have this ability, which is good as well as bad, that I can focus on one thing to the, to the exclusion of everything else. So if I'm reading, I'm, happen, I'm in the same room with somebody and I am reading an email on my phone and they say my name I do not hear them. And so I have to make sure that I am putting away that kind of stuff and, not, and, and making sure that I'm reading email when I'm alone and, and not having to do it in the presence of other people because I can be totally oblivious of someone talking to me and that really damages a relationship of trust.
1: Yeah, I mean, it sounds so simple, but it's so true.
2: Oh, uh, absolutely.
0: Now, um, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you, because I think this would be a, a great, something I just want to give you a platform to share. Uh, you know, if you look at the, you know, uh, the uh, a recent Gallup poll, and I, this is a shocking number, 85% of employees worldwide are actively disengaged at work. So think about all the important work we have to get done. We're all talking about, you know, how do we increase productivity and all these things? Well... If we focus on some of those things that actually create engagement, uh, you can completely change, you know, what an organization can accomplish in the team and how happy people are to show up on Monday. So, you know, you wrote the book, Dear Boss, What Employees Wish You Knew? So those folks out there that are listening, they're in a leadership role. What are some of those things that you can be their proxy that those employees would just probably love to share um, that maybe you can just, uh, you know, what, what are some of those uh, messages that leaders need to hear?
2: Well, John, I, let me uh, jump back a little bit just to say that this book was not something I just invented by, out of my own head. This is actually based on research that we had done. We had gone out to you know, hundreds of people around the country, different ethnicities, different socioeconomic status, different regions of the country, and asked them one open-ended question. We said, what is the one thing you wish your boss knew that they might not already know? Mm-hmm. And, and so pulling from that, um, we it was amazing that the responses fell in four different categories. Um, and what was really amazing is that the response Responses had nothing to do with pay, so and everyone says, well, if you pay somebody enough money, well, then all these problems will go away. Well, no, that's not true because we're humans before we're actually bank accounts, and and so I think that is is crucial in terms of for us to be able to recognize. So the kind of things that really popped in terms of the research was things like uh, insufficient appreciation, inadequate morale, uh, incompetent management. Ooh, ouch, and and then also. Um, Looking at the uh, improper communication. So those four things were the things that popped from the research. And so the book, uh, Dear Boss, What Your Employees Wish You Knew, is really about how do we fix that? What are the things that we need to do in terms of organization to really uh, address those issues? And so the things that I came, came up with are. Uh, to address those are first of all, tenderness. Now, I know that's a strange word to hear in a business context, but tenderness is huge in terms of us being able to really, uh, uh, relate to other people, um, making sure that we are, we're affirming them. And, and so the kind of things that we say are really making an impact. Uh, it's the little things that people say a little all things that people do can make a huge difference in terms of a relationship uh, there at the office or at the workplace. Uh, the second thing was about team and, and creating that kind of team environment where we, we really are able to come together and work as a team. So the, the kind of things that we need, like we talked before about vision, how important vision is and a shared vision at that, um, really having a, a foundation of values that everyone can work from and, and understanding what is a common purpose that we have within that i mean I, and at the same time it's not about uh just all the touchy-feely stuff the performance is important we got to make sure that we're able to do that together as a team but having that kind of team approach is is, is extremely valuable and, and then the third thing we said uh we found in the research was about trust and and one thing that and we've already been talking about that how foundational trust is and in terms of an organization and making sure that it runs right and the fourth thing that addresses the, what we found in the research is transparency. It's, it's not just communicating, but really having that kind of transparency there being authentic, not being, I mean, trying to not putting on this boss persona when you come into the, but being the real person that you are, because if you're trying to fake it, It is it's going to come through. I mean, people, especially like uh, Sandra and I were talking about uh, kids earlier, the fact that I mean, kids can sniff out a hypocrite like that. I mean, so quick, but so can the people who work for you. I mean, you lose a moral authority if you are trying to pretend like you're somebody that you're not. And at the same time, listening and understanding are so huge for creating that transparency kind of effect.
1: Yeah, I I always say they have the kind of the authenticity meter, right? My <laughs> daughter just turned 13 and you know, she is all or nothing. If she senses authenticity in a person, she is totally connected, totally like above and beyond. But if there's someone that's just sort of, you know, doing the bare minimum to connect with someone or just sort of like, oh, hey, yeah, the faker um, she just immediately senses that out and and res- response to that. I mean, um, and I think, you know, she's she's younger and so she hasn't learned to kind of sugarcoat things. But <laughs> as 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 humans, I mean, that's that's really what we do. Right.
2: Exactly. That is so true. I I have some kids in my house. I mean, as you said, I have six kids. And and so that I I have had a couple of them who have deputized themselves as the hypocrisy police. And and so, I mean, they they call me out on stuff. And and so that's good. I mean, so the fact that because I know that in the workplace, people don't do that. They just, you know, say, well, whatever. And they'll just write you off as being some kind of a hypocrite and, and, and being inauthentic. So it, it's important to make sure we we do that because whether it's at home or it's work, people are people and they really need to have that kind of uh that kind of connection.
0: Yeah, and, right. and and Robert, what you're really talking about is kind of bringing a biblical model uh of leadership into work and it it and it doesn't it works that model regardless of the background or uh of your employees, what their faith is. And could you share a little bit about what that biblical model is uh like how I would take some of these things you talked about, right? If I'm I'm going to work, I'm I'm hearing this podcast, I'm driving in, and I want to start making some small changes. What what does that model look like, and how would I? What are those first maybe small steps you'd really recommend for people?
2: Yeah, sure. the uh, The basic thing is something I mentioned already is the golden rule about uh, really treating other people the way you want to be treated. I know it's simple but it's not easy and it's thinking of things through in terms of how you would be able to do that. Um, and so that is crucial. And and, and like I said, that is something that you can do regardless of people's faith. They don't have, to, I mean, golden rule applies to just about every single, uh, faith that's out there and, and treating people the way they want to be treated, aff- affirming their human dignity mm-hmm. is huge. I mean, Nobody is going to object to that if you are honoring their persona and, and the, the person that they are. That, that's, that's going to translate across any faith background, any ethnicity, any, any background whatsoever. It's going to, it is honoring and it is the way that, that God would want to do things. Um, another thing is just in terms of how we, we put things into place is that it's, it's got to be done with – you can speak it, but you got to live it. That is huge. You can't just uh, be doing words. You have to be making sure that you're matching that with your actions as well.
0: Well, and along that line too, I think uh, we also need to be quick to apologize because we're humans. We're going to make mistakes, right? You're talking about right. You have uh, it's about walking the talk. And if I mess up one day and I don't walk the talk, and I'm short or I'm, uh, you know, I I don't honor somebody or. I didn't live in my integrity and what I said I was do. my accountability. Uh, I need to be very quick to actually, you know, in humility, go to somebody and say, you know what? Hey, Robert, I'm really sorry. I gave you this commitment or I told you I would show up this way when we had this interaction and I didn't do that. Will you, you know, will you forgive me uh, or when you can, can you forgive me? And you know what? I give you permission to hold me accountable to what we agreed on in the future. And a lot of people are very uncomfortable. Um telling other people especially that might report to them to hey i give you permission to hold me accountable but that's really that i think that's a place of coming from from a, a real kind of servant heart that's really powerful as a an example in an organization
2: absolutely that is huge and i really counsel people to do that i know it may be very uncomfortable to actually be out there and admit that you did something wrong,
1: mm-hmm. especially
2: to someone who works for you. It's it's a very humbling situation, but that gives you so much opportunity to be able to affirm the standards you have in your organization. If you say I want a foul of what I say is important, and I need to acknowledge that I did that, and I need to um, I need to apologize, I need to repent to you for what I did. Um, what that does is, first of all, it shows that you are not above them; you are on the same level with them, and that affer- that that is a huge trust factor in terms mm-hmm. of building culture within your organization. What it also does is that it it shows them that um, you're not you're willing to to be real and and, and not be something that you're not. It, it's a huge uh, trust builder.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, goodness, there's so many. I know we just touched on a few things, uh, but everybody listening, I mean, this is such an important topic. It's, you know, uh, it's not, you know, I I think leadership, right? Everybody kind of focuses on the why, the what, and the how, and there's been a lot written on this. And what you focus on in this book that I love that's so important, and it's foundational, it's about who we are as a leader. And when we can make changes about who we are and how we show up, right, right? uh, we can completely transform an organization. And I've seen it happen actually rather quickly. So I I just really encourage people that, you know, if you're in a leadership role or moving into one, this is, this is something you need to study and get good at this area. So just, you know, uh, so, so Robert, how do people find more, more about you, what you do, your website, you know, where to get the book?
2: Absolutely, yeah. You can go to find the book on Amazon easily. Um, you can also find out more information about the book at whatyouremployeeswishyouknew.com. dot so what com. dot com, and uh, my consultancy, Transformational Impact LLC, is just transformationalimpactllc.com. dot com.
0: Awesome. So, just you know, as we wrap up, from everybody listening, Robert, what are just a few key things you'd like to leave with folks? Oh gosh.
2: Uh, I think that uh, one thing that I'd love to just remind everybody is that uh, in terms of how to create culture in your organization, it's really about uh, making sure that what you're you're saying is legit. I mean, you're, what you're teaching is just right on, but you got you to gotta celebrate um, the kind of things that you want to see in your organization. You want to model it yourself as well so that everybody sees that you're living what you want everybody else to live. But also watch what you permit. It's those little things that you allow to slip in that uh, can can really prevent people from from uh, uh, living the way you want to live and, and, and make creating the
0: culture you want to have. Yeah, I always tell people you teach what you tolerate, right? That's what you're talking about. So be careful. Oh
2: yeah, you Absolutely. gotta be
0: careful about that. Well, thank you, Robert. I really hope people you know plug into you know what you're doing. Uh, this is a book that I would definitely recommend. Um and uh, thank you for for the work you're doing. This is just so needed, especially uh, as believers in the marketplace, which is a, a place of just incredible uh, opportunity and influence for kingdom work. We need to be showing up. It's our responsibility to show up in a way that you know, we become that ambassador. And we have an extraordinary organization with high engagement and great results and that just increases our influence on others around us that might never, ever step into a church or go to any kind of service, but all of a sudden they're looking at you, Robert, and what you're doing and you're leading your organization going, wow, there's something special there. And I, maybe I need to go grab coffee with that guy and you know, or that gal. And you know what, that that is actually how we can just bring our faith out into the marketplace in a really powerful way.
2: Absolutely. It's about being the church and uh, don't You definitely can bring your Sunday into your Monday.